0: Welcome to Episode 1 of the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas, having been in front of a microphone or a camera since the mid-1980s, and now it's my turn. I've interviewed thousands of people, but now I get to interview who I want to talk to in the amount of time I want to spend with them. This first guest today is who I call the mother of intermittent fasting. Her name is Jen Stevens. She's written three books, and she's made the New York Times bestseller list. Her books are Delay, Don't Deny, Feast Without Fear, and Fast, Feast, Repeat. And then she's got two podcasts she's a part of. One is Intermittent Fasting Stories. That's her personal one. And then she's got another one she co-hosts called Intermittent Fasting Podcast. So check those out after you listen to our interview, which comes up in about two minutes. This podcast would not be possible without the support of some local businesses. First, I need to give a big shout out to my friend, Brandy Harp at John Underhill Real Estate. John Underhill Real Estate is a full service real estate company, a boutique real estate company. Brandy Harp is principal broker there, and they're the ones that get it done. You have a house to sell. You have a house to buy. They're the people you meet with. You put their name on the sign in your yard and watch. And it's not just the sign in the yard. It's the way they market that makes them unique. That's why so many people use Brandy Harp and the folks there at John Underhill Real Estate. You know, this is historic times. We have extremely low interest rates. So if you're considering doing this, pull the trigger, do it now. If you need more information, go to my website, LisaFisherSaid.com. You'll see the banner ad for Brandy Harp at John Underhill Real Estate. The other supporter to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast is Richard Harp. Richard is Central Arkansas's premier home builder and remodeler. He does a little of this and a little that and it's a whole lot of pretty. He's the man behind so many different remodels and new builds you've seen in central Arkansas. It's Richard Harp Homes. His firm has been recognized by designers, architects, consumers. People are saying, you are the best at what you do. And it's because Richard combines his expertise with his degree in finance and his MBA Plus, his dad was an engineer, so you know that engineer problem-solving brain combines that, and his job is to get you at budget and sometimes under budget. How many times do you hear that? You're under budget. Find out more by going to my website, LisaFisherSaid.com. Look for the banner ad for Richard Harp Holmes.
1: She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa
0: Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, everybody. Uh, She is, I call her the mother of intermittent fasting. Jen Stevens is here. And Jen, you do a lot of these podcasts, not only from your home or not only just for your personal ones, but I think you're a guest on several too,
1: aren't you? I am. I always say yes when someone asks me to be on their podcast because, you know, even if it's like brand new and just starting or if it's really small, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I feel like it's my life's work to get this message of intermittent fasting out there. And, you know, for people who have never heard of it or even if they've tried it and dabbled with it but didn't have success, you know, I want to help people be successful with intermittent fasting so that it's the last thing you ever do. That's right. That's a great way to put that.
0: Now on your personal, so you have two podcasts that you host. One is Intermittent Fasting Podcast. The other is Intermittent Fasting Stories. Right. And on Intermittent Fasting Stories, your first question is, and I'm asking you, Jen, (laughs) what brought you to Intermittent
1: Fasting? Well, you know, um, I was a diet dabbler my entire adult life. It even started, you know, before I needed to lose weight. My mother um, was a dance teacher. And I remember her always being on some kind of diet as I was growing up. And so I just kind of internalized that's what women did. First of all, we criticized our bodies. Mm-hmm. And then we we went on a diet, but then we went off the diet. And so, you know, that's just what I saw as a model for my whole life. So even when I was a teenager and I was slim and didn't need to lose any weight, I had my eye on the idea of, you know, dieting and calories and all of that. So um, it wasn't until after I went to college college and then graduated from college that I really you know, turned into a cereal diet or I'm sure you were um, back in the the late eighties, early nineties, were you doing the whole low fat thing that was Girl, so popular? We did
0: it all. So I oh, was yeah. in college. I'm a little older than you. So in college, there were doctors giving out um diet pills before Fenfen, but giving diet yeah. pills out like candy. And Amphetam- um, amphetamines back it, then. It right? wasn't, yeah, it was because I remember at six o'clock every I, I took them like three days. By six o'clock every afternoon, I was crying on my bed in the Chi-Mega house because what goes up must come down right and so it would bring me down so hard i was like this and i didn't need to lose weight is what's right? so crazy but I get it. it was something in the culture that told us to do it and then we all joined one of the programs that you paid 35 dollars a week and then we just to say we did and i think we lost i remember my best friend and i each lost three pounds and, and then we lost
1: 35 dollars a week <laughs> yes exactly
0: because the next week the minute we were off it our weight went back up right so you know, we were just a slave.
1: It It was crazy. And but, um, you know, I tried whatever was the diet du jour. But and you whatever. didn't need, did you need to looking back now, Jen, did you need to lose weight when you made the quest for low fat diets? You know, there were times that I did. I mean, you know, I went to college and gained the freshman fifteen. I remember coming back and taking a dance class at my mom's studio, and one of the high school girls said, "You got fat." I'm like, and <gasps> I wasn't. I, I probably gained fifteen pounds. Oh, you know, I wasn't oh, fat. Wow. But I remember I was like, oh my gosh, and I think I like started a diet immediately. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, I was counting calories at that point. But gosh, I do remember that I was standing there in my leotard and tights, and she said that to me, and um, you know all that whole the body image you know the whole idea of you know i've got to got to be losing weight got to be on a diet and so i like i said i looked at all the diets as they came out i would try them and um i first heard about intermittent fasting I'm not even sure that they were saying the words intermittent fasting. I'm pretty sure they weren't. But there were several plans. It was around 2009. You know, there was Brad Pallone and his Eat Stop Eat. You could download mm-hmm. the, go to his website and download the ebook. Was, I don't know. You paid like $39.95 and downloaded the PDF, you know, and then you had it. You know, I remember that. He was a bodybuilder, and the whole plan was it was basically you would fast for 24 hours at a time. Two times a week. That's what Brad did. You know, well, that he didn't... was ahead of his time. He then. was. He was. And you know, then there were other plans that I would find. Um, Dr. Burt hearing. he had the Fast Five plan. I don't think he used the words intermittent fasting, but it was a five-hour daily eating window, what we call time-restricted eating now. And then there was another plan people were doing. It was a book. Dr. Johnson's um, Up day, down day protocol, which was basically alternate day fasting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you would eat, you know, it was all though very much, you know, calorie cycling. You would count calories. So one day you would have a low calorie day and the next day you ate, you know, quote, whatever you wanted. So it was a kind of alternate daily fasting approach. But, you know, we really weren't focused on the words fasting. And really back then, 2009 when I started dabbling, we really just were still all mired in the calories in, calories out mindset and we thought of all of these approaches as just a way to limit your calorie consumption into a certain time period. You know, which certainly was more attractive than trying to count calories around the clock like I had been, you know, dabbling with here and there. But, you know, we didn't know a lot about fasting. So I would try something for a little while, then, of course, I wasn't getting great or quick results. So I would stop and then I would dabble in it again. Basically, I was just off and on and off and on. So I never lost any weight with it. You know, I kept going to the next greatest thing. And it wasn't until 2014 when I went on a family trip. I got back from the trip, got on the scale after looking at my photos from the trip. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Got on the scale. I was two hundred and ten pounds, and at five five, that was obese wow. for my yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, "All right, I've got to do something." So you know, initially it wasn't intermittent fasting. I turned to it was one of those doctor programs where you go in and they give you injections. Did you ever do HCG injections? Girl, and let me tell you,
0: I had success with it until I didn't.
1: Me too. I, in two thousand nine, I lost a lot of weight with HCG. Yeah, so me, I had like did, some photos. But mine was-
0: Yeah, mine was 2011, and I lost um, the 17 pounds I needed to lose. I was hopping around, and then I I did all the things they said to do afterwards, and I still gained my weight back. I I did, because I think they keep you... Pretty low carb for a while. Yep.
1: After you do the really yep. low calorie yes. crazy yes. part with yes. the shots that the you get crazy from the doctor. Right. Those are 500 calories a day you're supposed to eat. Then you do low carb for a while. So in 2009, that was my first, you know, HCG foray. And I got almost to goal. And then, you know, I said I in 2014, I was 210 pounds. So you can see how well that lasted.
0: <laughs> it that, did not. But isn't it crazy, though, that's, that's why people say, well, this diet works. And yeah. I, now I always say, well, now it does. But
1: you're not off the program. Right. That's really the key. Something only works if you lose the weight and you're able to keep it off long term without having to cycle through craziness. So that's, you know, that's the intermittent fasting difference. You know, initially, like I said, in 2014, I turned to tried and true. HCG worked for me before. I'm going to try uh-huh. it again. Yeah. Well, I, I signed up for six weeks and I made it for five. Y- and your body just I, said no. I just no. couldn't do yeah. Thank goodness my body always fought back. My body said, nope, time to stop. You know, I lost maybe 20, 25 pounds. But then, you know, doing that low-carb part that's going to reset the losses, whatever, you know. (laughs) I was like, I am never going to do that again. I vowed never again. And so after an entire summer, I was like, I'm just going to be low-carb forever because, you know, at least I can eat without having to, you know, count calories. or." But I didn't lose any weight on low-carb. You know, I actually probably gained about three pounds over that summer so of doing just, low carb. So it just did not fit your body. No, low carb does not fit my body. But then it was, you know, the, around August of, of 2014, I had lost, probably I'd managed to keep off maybe 20, you know, of the the weight I'd lost with the, the crazy HCG, but wasn't losing anymore. So then I was like, you know, I really just want to eat the foods I want to eat. I just want to eat the foods I love. I'm going to give intermittent fasting one more try. And that was August of 2014. I, I started doing it, and then that was it. I, um, I've i been doing intermittent fasting in one way, shape, or form ever since. Went on to lose over 80 pounds. Hit my goal in 2015. And here I've been ever since. So that's that's the difference. This is the only time in my adult life that I've been able to maintain a weight loss, you know, for over five years. This is just how I live now. I eat whatever I want. I feel fabulous. And, you know, I just switched over my closet over the weekend because we got all of a sudden crazy cold weather and pulled out my fall clothes. They all still fit. Isn't that so
0: reassuring that we don't have to panic now season to season?
1: That yes. is that favorite blue dress going to fit or not? Like, the yeah. answer was always no in the past, like all those yeah. years that I dieted. And, and it might be because things were too big or maybe they were too little, but I had all these different like crates of clothes, like all these tubs. Here were my size six clothes mm-hmm. that one day I dreamed of getting back into. By the way, those size six clothes don't fit me now because I'm sitting here in my size zero Jeez. That's insane. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, vanity sizing happened. Right. But the clothes that fit me, you know, at, were, were my really feel-good weights before intermittent fasting all ended up being too big when I got to, um, you know, where I am now. But, you know, I had those crates from size six, like I said, all the way up to size 14 to size 16. Wow. Yeah, and I guess you gave all that away or sold that someplace. I did. Yeah. I, I gave it right. all away. I'm, right. um, um, you know, I like things to be easy. That's one reason I love intermittent fasting. I just took it all to Goodwill, <laughs> bags and bags of clothes. I'm like, here you go. Well, what
0: you just said was <laughs> a key word about intermittent fasting is the ease. I don't yeah. have to plan a meal. I don't have to. It. I just work it out. It just. It all works out because people then say, but. Because I eat earlier in the day, um, always have, always was on the radio early. So I just always went to bed earlier. So my window that we talk about our eating window might be between 3 and 6 p.m.
1: Let, right. You know,
0: but let's say someone said, but Lisa, you're, you all are going to an event Friday night and you won't eat dinner till 7. I said, well, two things with that. Number one, you don't always have to eat with everybody, no one really notices. That is. So I just true. drink water, and I drink more water. And no, like a lot of times, if I MC, I don't want to eat because I I need to focus, you know, and I I just don't need to be eating. No one notices. And number two, I said there are days that it, you know, I might not open my window then till later. It's just the flexibility of intermittent
1: fasting that can't be equal. There's nothing else that gives you this flexibility. That's 100% true. You know, over the weekend, we had a birthday party for my niece, and um, we had pizza at 2 o'clock. And so I'd open my window at two o'clock, had pizza with the family. I think I ate more than everybody else. <laughs> at a size zero. I, 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 I eat with gusto. I yeah. doubt it, though. But uh, well, And you know, I had I had pizza. I had donuts. And because we had these like special Mennonite bakery donuts, we cut them all up into little pieces. So we got to try oh, my cute. favorite was maple bacon. That's cute. They were so good. But um, yeah. And then I also came home and had dinner with my husband. Good. But, and it was just a very flexible day. I probably ended up with the six-hour
0: eating window that day. And you normally don't. So in these years, so your first book you wrote, "Delay, Don't Deny, it was self-published. And right. it just sold like crazy. Now, of course, you St. Martin's Press is your publisher for Fast Feast Repeat, right? So you have a publisher yes. now. Uh, then the other book I have is Feast Without Fear. So I've right. got the trilogy here, you know, you do. by my bedside table. Um, but you've learned a lot. But you've learned a whole lot more. So that was 2014. We're now in 2020. What right. do you think? Has The message is the same. It's simple. But what have you learned from that time to now that you, you would like people to know about?
1: I would like people to know that this is very much an individualized journey. I think that is the key. Yeah, that's good. You know, we in the Facebook groups we had a saying that we we don't actually have to use it as much as we used to, but you keep your eyes on your own plate. Early in the in the Facebook support group era, people used to be a lot more um I don't know, harsh with other people. Like, I can't believe you're eating that. We call that that judgy.
0: They're just judgy.
1: keep your eyes on your own plate. But also keep your eye on your own protocol when it comes to intermittent fasting. You know, there are people that, you know, have have a sweet spot that's very different than yours. That's going to come to your fasting schedule, what you eat during your eating window, the foods that work best for your body. And really, the fact that intermittent fasting is very customizable And it's also something that you have to play around with. You know, when I wrote Fast Feast Repeat, and I remember my, um, when we were first, you know, going to shop it around to publishers, my literary agent said, all right, um, you know, because I was talking about, it ended up being the 28 day fast start. But at first we were calling it the 21 day quick start. And she's like, well, when I'm, you know, when we're doing the book proposal, how many pounds can we say you're going to lose? I'm like, zero. mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) <laughs> They're like what? You know? I'm like yes, you know. In the beginning, you don't expect to lose weight, so that that's another thing. You know, I really have learned when I started in 2014 and and finally committed to intermittent fasting, I lost at the rate of about a pound a week. Um, but I had also been doing low carb for the whole summer. I think I was fat adapted, even though I wasn't losing any weight. You know, there's some physiological things that go on. And I think that helped my body, you know, being in ketosis from, you know, doing keto slash low carb, my body was used to burning fat for fuel. So when I started with intermittent fasting, I didn't have the the huge adjustment adjustment period that I'd always had before and then I would quit. So that really helped me. But when someone's starting off with intermittent fasting that's brand new, that has never done it before, um, understanding that there's an adjustment phase is so key. I mean, I didn't understand this back in 2014. I had no idea. You know, this is before the obesity code came out. This is before all the... All this research that we now have was really being talked about. And again, we just thought it was you were eating fewer calories. We didn't understand back then. You know, none of the people in the communities. I mean, I'm sure there were some scientists who understood. But, you know, those of us who were pioneering it, we didn't know.
0: But you don't <laughs> know because people ask me all the time how many calories in a day. Oh, I got no idea.
1: You, yeah, you have no idea. I just eat. Oh, here's a funny story. Um You know, in Fast, Feast, Repeat, in the section on Mm bioindividuality, I talked about the PREDICT studies that um, they're doing to try to figure out, you know, what foods work best for your body based on your gut microbiome, your individual blood glucose response. So I've just been participating in PREDICT-3. And I wore a continuous blood glucose monitor for a week and I had to track my foods. I had to input them into the app so they could see, you know, how my body responded to say, you know, whether I ate potatoes or whatever. I mean, I didn't even have to count calories. I just had to write down everything I was eating. I could have kept wearing the monitor for an extra seven days just, you know, to see what would, you know, what was happening. But I got so tired of logging in everything I was eating. I was like, forget it. And I ripped that thing off and just went on. And do you know how many people are slaves to that? I just could never yeah, do it again. Right. I mean, I was doing it for science. So I was able to do it for seven days for science. So that they're going to be able to, you know, use my data and the food logs, what I put in. And they'll be able to, you know, see, you know, make an individualized recommendation for me. But it was too much work just to even... Put in what I was having. I didn't want to think about it. You know, one day I wanted to eat some beet chips. I love these beet chips that I had. And I was like, I would like to eat just like two or three beet chips right now. And I'm like, I don't know how to log that. (laughs) Two (laughs) to three beet chips. Right. Didn't eat them. Right. So I was like, this is ridiculous. Too much trouble. Now,
0: one thing I know you have avoided for many years uh, on the Facebook groups and even in your podcast, when people ask you, Jen, what do you eat? What do you eat in an average day? And you always try to make it very individual. You know, it's this isn't how it would work for everybody. Right. So how do you answer that? Because I know you'll say, well, some days I might open my window with figs and cheese and hummus or whatever that you're craving that day. But another day you may not. So you you really don't wake up that morning, do you thinking this is what I've planned for my day?
1: Yeah, absolutely not. You know, I I really have become very intuitive. Um, I would like to say my framework is intuitive eating within an intermittent fasting window. And, you know, all the books on intuitive eating, I was always so intrigued by those because they promised that you could just listen to your body and stop when you've had enough. But I could never do that. Back when I was eating all day long, breakfast, lunch, dinner, Snacks all day. If I asked myself, "Am I hungry?" the answer was always yes. Right. So I would just keep eating and eating, and I never lost any weight at all. In fact, that's what got me to two hundred and ten pounds. The last thing I did before reaching two ten was a couple of years of really trying to be intuitive about my eating, and I just stopped weighing, and I just got bigger and bigger. My clothes were too stretchy. I didn't realize what was <laughs> <Right>. happening. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, I really am very much an intuitive eater, and. Interestingly enough, the foods that I feel like work well for my body, well, when I was wearing that continuous blood glucose monitor, I was right. You know, I, I know what foods make me feel good. And I, I saw that my blood glucose was very steady when I, when I chose those foods. I do great with things like potatoes and rice with also, you know, paired with fat and protein. I eat well-balanced meals. I eat a lot of vegetables. But really every day it's different. Some days I'm hungrier than other days and I eat more. And so, you know, people have asked you. sometimes I'll share my dinner. I don't share it every night, but I'll share my dinner because people ask just the craziest questions. I'll post a dinner. They're like, are you vegan? I'm like, no, I had hamburgers last night, but people are very like focused on uh-huh. what I'm eating. And, and so I'm like, stop, you know, maybe if I was vegan, that would be okay too. I'm not, but you know, what I'm eating is irrelevant to what anyone else is going to eat. But sometimes I'll post my dinner and someone will say, would you also post all the snacks you eat all day long? And and I'm like, no, the answer is no. And it's because I really genuinely believe someone could follow me around, eat exactly what I eat and when I eat it and have completely different results. No, we know that we know. And that's why we do We know a calorie isn't a calorie. So Oh, so true. That's a
0: whole nother conversation. But let's just talk about the science. So I didn't understand the science of intermittent fasting. And I've told you this story because I interviewed you on a Little Rock radio station a few years ago or a couple summers ago. And um, I said that it was my son who came home from LSU. He was an engineering student and which which engineers are always looking for solutions and answers. You know, they they love to study. And so he'd come home and said, do you know about uh, intermittent fasting? And I said, if you want to see your next birthday, don't suggest it to me, you know, because I, I, I just pridefully and just defensively said, because I have low blood sugar and I, my thyroid doesn't work well. And he was like, I don't get a commission. I'm just telling you, Do you, I'm asking you, do you <laughs> yeah. know about it? And right. I backed off. And then he said, well, I listened to the, because Baton Rouge to Little Rock's about seven hours. He said, I listened to these girl two ladies from the South. I remember he said that. Love it. And he said, um, they just laugh and carry on. He goes, I think you'd really like it. And that was a Friday after Thanksgiving at, I said, well, all right, what do I do? I mean, I'm such an easy sell. All right, what do I do? He said, well, don't eat again until tomorrow at 12.30. And that was like my first foray into it. I went, okay. And, you know, I didn't die and I didn't die. You know, as we all know, we didn't die. But then I said, well, what if in the morning I want to drink? I'm not a coffee drinker, but if I because I did get up at 345, 4 a.m. to do a radio show. I said, what if I need some tea and I want to put stevia? I said, Gibson, now stevia has zero calories and it's from a plant. He said, right. he was like, I don't care. Still, you still release insulin. I went, well, you know, and then I heard you all talk about the rat study <laughs> with it does, you know, your yeah. your body does respond because now I know it's ushering glucose to the cell. So insulin's important. You, you told is. me that a couple summers ago when I interviewed you, cause I was thinking, let's ban insulin. You went, no, insulin's important.
1: It, it's not bad. It, it's, yeah. It's,
0: it's just, it's got a place it, for it's it. It's the constant <laughs> calling it into action that right. it stores the fat, so, or it, it, yeah, it's a fat storing hormone at that point. So explain how why you drink l- your water in the morning with no lemon or lime, even.
1: Right. So, you know, when it comes to fasting, we have to think about what are we trying to accomplish during the fast. Well, during the fast, we want to tap into our own fat stores for fuel. And we also want to have increased autophagy, which is cellular house cleaning, it's recycling. It's it was actually um, the the Nobel Prize for medicine in two thousand and sixteen was based on autophagy research, which is um, a word we'd all, unless you're a scientist, you'd never heard of it before. then all of a sudden everyone was talking about it, especially in the intermittent fasting community. So we want to make sure that what we're doing during the fast, helps us to tap into our fat stores and also have increased autophagy. So in fast, feast, repeat, I came up with three fasting goals. And so when you're trying to decide what what do I consume during the fast, you got to keep the three fasting goals in mind. One of them is keep your insulin low. You know, just like we, we just said, insulin is not, quote, bad. But having high levels of insulin all the time is really not good for us and in more ways than just because it will keep you from tapping into your fat stores. I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, but hyperinsulinemia, having high levels of insulin all the time, it's linked to so many of the conditions and diseases that we're you know, inundated with these days, even you know like autoimmune diseases. I read a paper. I think it was written by a nurse or nurse practitioner. I can't remember. It's been every year since I read it. But um, it was all about hyperinsulinemia and it's linked in the, the back of Fast Feast Repeat if anyone wants to look at look for it in the um the references section. But I, until I read that paper, had no idea of how really bad for us having high levels of insulin really is. You know, they're even calling Alzheimer's type three right, diabetes right. because it has to do with high levels of insulin and how it impacts your brain. So we want to get our insulin down. So what causes our body to release a lot of insulin? Well, eating. Or if your body thinks you're eating, if, you're, if your brain thinks you're having something to eat, insulin is released. And so that's where all these zero calorie sweeteners really cause a lot of metabolic issues for us because our brain doesn't understand, hey, this sweet diet soda has zero calories it's actually not providing any calories i'm not getting any blood glucose from it so i'm going to be just fine well no our brains don't understand that our brains are like sweetness coming in right and our brains don't read labels (laughs) so our brains brains have no idea what we're tricking it because this is not real food that that we've our our bodies are meant to to deal with you know because if you think back to in the real world when before we had all these man-made substances if you tasted something sweet it was because you're having a, some fruit or some honey or something like that and so your your brain starts releasing some you know tells your your pancreas hey release some insulin we're going to need to store some you know blood glucose we're going to have high blood glucose in a minute from this intake of the sweetness but if you're having a diet soda that's not what's really happening so your body gets super confused but you still release the the insulin You know, it's called the cephalic phase insulin response. And, you know, there's lots of of research that shows this happens. And I've got that also linked in Fast Feast Repeat. But over time, insulin goes higher, higher, higher. You become insulin resistant. And I know everyone's heard of insulin resistance. Having lots and lots of insulin all the time makes your body resistant to the insulin so it requires more and more insulin just to do the job when you do eat and so then you know your fasting insulin levels might be super duper high and that's you know when you start getting into hyperinsulinemia so one of our goals is keep our insulin low during the fast so we want to avoid anything that our brain is going to think is food you know if you're having apple cinnamon Hot tea, zero calories, but your brain's going to be like, ooh, apple cinnamon deliciousness. Right. (laughs) Yeah, lemon. Mm -hmm. Lemon is food. I don't know why people tend to think that lemon is like this thing that is magical. You can put it in your water and. Lemon is a fruit, people. It, it's a food. It's a food flavor. A- avoid that. You know, don't put any food flavors in your beverages. Haven't you so. said
0: it's the bitter profile that we will not have the cephalic yes. response? So, co- black coffees and the bitter profile, and and really yes. black tea. The right, the, not the sweet or flavored, but there's a black tea that's in the bitter profile.
1: Correct. Okay. So bitter flavor profile does not cause our body to release insulin. Um, Based on the taste of it. So that's why black coffee, plain tea are fine. So we want to keep our insulin low because when our insulin is low, we can tap into our fat stores. High levels of insulin are anti-lipolytic, which means they work against fat burning. So low level levels of insulin, we're able to, to, to burn fat for fuel. Um, our second fasting goal is to tap into our own fat stores for fuel. So um, for that reason, we don't want to take in. Sources of energy during the fast you know sometimes you can go actually right this minute anyone could go to youtube and find i don't know probably hundreds of videos that tell you it's okay to put cream in your coffee or butter in your coffee or mct oil in your coffee or how about let's drink some ketones that you can buy from your friend who's selling Mm -hmm. them to you those are all sources of energy so if you're taking in sources of energy your body is going to use that energy not the energy that's already stored on your body. So I don't know, I'd rather burn you know, stored fat than put butter in my coffee. Right. Also, those things are gonna make you hungrier. You know, once you know, your body's not tapping into your fat store, so as soon as you finish with that energy from your butter coffee, your body's like, all right, now I need some food, and you're gonna be hungrier than if you just avoid it to start with. So avoid anything that's a source of energy for the body, obviously. Um, and then the third fasting goal is we want to have increased autophagy, and so avoid any source of protein. Protein shuts down autophagy, so you don't want to have, like, bone broth. You know, even though it's low-calorie, you've probably heard of bone broth fasts or bone broth cleanses. We don't want to do that if we're fasting. You know, we want to keep keep our bodies having the increased autophagy.
0: Well, here's something interesting that I one time dabbled into – haphazardly, didn't mean to, but I knew I was going to dinner with friends at five. And it was about one in the afternoon and... I thought, well, I could have a five hour window today. No big deal. So I had been babysitting for my daughter and I ran by the Sonic and I said, you know what? I said, don't you have an iced tea that has a zero calorie? Because I was like going to open my window technically, right? not yep. eat, not eat any food because I was really saving it for later. And she said, yeah, we've got this zero calorie raspberry tea. I said, sure. Light on the ice. I drove through. I was sipping it and I'd say within... 15 or 20 minutes my heart was racing i was shaking i was sweating i couldn't think it's because i i didn't think about it i thought my, yeah i had just released insulin it lowered because yep. remember insulin's goal is to usher glucose to the cell so it lowers your blood sugar and i was having a blood sugar dip Even though it had zero calories, all the things that we people try to defend their Diet Coke or whatever it is. I mean, I was doing the same thing. I didn't mean to. I mean, I really it was just one of those things that I realized then it made sense to me what insulin does. Then I was starving Right. And I had...
1: And then you had to I, eat. You had to I eat. had to eat. I was... Yep. I felt ill. <laughs> and yeah. I'm... It, you're, you were probably... If you had, you know, a, gl- a blood glucose reading, it was probably low. Yeah, probably. Really low. Yeah, because
0: I really yeah. felt bad. And then I... Um, I'd run by the mall and I went to the food court and went to Chick-fil-A and got a salad with something that had protein. I can't remember what I did because I really, again, was trying. I didn't want to eat because I didn't have that type of hunger, but I had this low blood sugar attack. And then I realized that though it sounds harmless for people to say, well, I just put a little, I put a couple of drops of stevia in my coffee in the morning. I'm like, you're really not benefiting yourself. You're right. hurting yourself and you don't you don't feel as good. I love the feeling now, and you have it too, of going all day, not eating and having a hunger pang, and then go, well, I'll get to it later. I'm not gonna die. And then powering through it. I feel victory when I power through those little hunger tinges. It's a tinge. And then I'm drinking my Topo Chico and obviously wouldn't eat until later in the day. And you said something when I'd interviewed you. It was maybe five o'clock your time that I'd interviewed you. And is that about the time you typically open your window or four or five? Well, it depends. Um, But you had had said that day, Because I'd heard you say later, well, I was on a radio show in the Central Time Zone and you said I chose not to eat because then we know eating makes us sleepy and we don't focus as well.
1: Yeah, I don't ever eat until after I'm going to be interviewed um, just because I feel better. I have more mental clarity, you know, digestion takes a lot of energy. So once I eat, my body shifts its focus to digesting the food, assimilating the food, all those things. And so you lose a little bit of that mental clarity. And it's just, you know, I save all of my, I do all my tasks that I have to accomplish first And then then I enjoy my eating window, just depending on whenever that is. Well, then that's when you were the one who told us that
0: we were duped, that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Correct. And it was a marketing slogan from Dr. Kellogg.
1: (laughs) It's true. You know, they actually, some of those studies that prove it, you know, I'm using air quotes right. here, prove it, were actually funded by Kellogg. Oh, and so in an in an amazing and strange turn of events, the study showed that people who ate breakfast did so much better. And the people who chose cereal for breakfast did oh, the best. Oh, gosh funded by Kellogg. And, but, you know, entire generations of people are like, got to have my breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Well, (laughs) my husband says, when I told him that
0: you'd recognize that study and he said, but he goes, Lisa, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. He goes, you break your fast. There at you three go. in the that's afternoon true. so he said that's your brick so that is your only meal i <laughs> that is what it means it means to, to break, break your ass, fast right, right? Yeah. i will say this because we tip my husband and i are empty nesters so we have the flexibility to eat what our one meal whenever and a lot of times it is kind of at 4 30 or 5 he might eat something a little earlier he's super slim um but i know when we go to restaurants you know we sometimes i'll do a 24 hour fast i if I have a lot of work to do in the afternoon, I'm definitely not going to eat because of the focus issues. So uh, we went to a restaurant. It had been probably 24, 25 hours. And so, you know, she took our order and she thought the appetizers was all we were getting. I was like, back off, sister. I go, you need to come back. <laughs> she was like, really? Yeah. And I went, yeah, now I want my an entree because appetizers are <laughs> meant to be shared. I was like, no, that's right. my appetizer and that's his. And now I want a real meal.
1: She was go. like, wow,
0: and, and I love to do that because it's a great way to segue into telling people about intermittent fasting, and a girl at one of the restaurants that I kind of frequent if I'm especially by myself, because it's on another side of town and I'll go there at four o'clock and open my window that day and have euros uh, or a big euro salad or something. She now, I went in recently and she goes, you noticed something different? I said, what? And she goes, I've lost 25 pounds. <laughs> she said, oh, I fabulous. did what you told me that day. You sat here and it was your, you were opening your window. And so I love the proselytizing, the, you know, the, me that too. we do.
1: With an, it's such a good feeling to know that you know someone was listening and then they they adopted oh, yeah. it and then it, it changed their life. And the, I mean, that is just a remarkable feeling, right? But
0: you don't really honestly think the best thing of it, it didn't cost you anything. You don't sign exactly. up under me, it's
1: it, no. it's not a club, you it it costs you, in fact, it will save you money. It will. And, you know, you can read the books for free if you have, you know, right. a library card. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can listen to it for free on Audible and, or, you know, whatever. So it's really there's a zero cost to entry. Um, I would love for people to read Fast, Feast, Repeat because there are a lot of pitfalls. And, and you know, how I talked about how I had all those issues from 2009 to 2014 right. because I wasn't fast and clean. I didn't know. I was Putting stevia and cinnamon in my coffee. Fasting was hard. I white knuckled it every day. You were hungry day. every day and you still did it. Every, and I still did it because that's how desperate I was to yeah. lose the weight. Yeah. But the minute that I read the obesity code and realized the connection between insulin and um, you know, fat burning, fat storage, that was when I realized that I had to change what I was doing. And that's when I went to the clean fast. And then that was when everything was different. And suddenly fasting was no longer so hard. So for people who have tried it and it was miserable and it quote, didn't work for you, you know, I would like to have you, um, I would like to challenge you to do the clean fast. Cause I would bet that's it. Whenever I talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work. I'm like, tell me what you drank during the fast. And 99% of the time, They start describing things like, well, I would start my day with, you know, bulletproof coffee Uh or, you know, something like that. And that's why I put the clean fast challenge into fast, feast, repeat. Anyone who thinks that I'm crazy, maybe you drink bone broth all day. Maybe you put cream in your coffee and you think it works for you. I would like to challenge anybody who's ever done intermittent fasting that way to do the clean fast. Take the clean fast challenge. Give yourself at least a month. Then, you know, drive through like Lisa did and get your raspberry zero calorie tea and then tell me there's not a difference. Big difference. It's huge. Once your body understands the clean fast and you're adjusted to it. It's just a remarkable difference. I think people just want to
0: challenge you and, and be the challenger. Go, but what about anyway I mean, Because I cook a lot. Yeah. they go, what about cooking?
1: So last night, yeah. I, what if I how, how am I going to taste my food? If I am like, I, well, you know, just I didn't taste, taste it. So I
0: made a yeah. uh, curry chicken salad in the refrigerator. You know, somebody will just adjust it later when it's time. You know, exactly. It's it just it, well, the other thing you've taught me. And I have to tell myself this. So when we would, let's say, drive to Baton Rouge, there are many hours on that road trip that there's no place to eat because I'm really picky. Since I'm going to eat just one real meal a day, I really want good food. And I typically I, yeah, I, I typically don't drive through places. And I remember one time we'd been driving and it had been maybe 20, 21 hours since I'd eaten. And my husband started going, gosh, I'm kind of hungry. And I said, well, there's really nothing that I would eat here. And we both admitted then we we're like or we we're locking arms going, we can make it to Baton Rouge. It was, and maybe it was 24 hours. And I said to him, in the words of Jen Stevens, hunger is not an emergency. There you go. And so once you realize so that for those first few months that I was or the first few weeks I was intermittent fasting, I would text my son and go, What if I get hungry? And he was like, Mom, you're not you're gonna be fine. And so I still I kept um a kind bar in my purse in the event that like I thought that I I was going to die, you know, (laughs) without food
1: and (laughs) break in case of emergency. Was it like six (laughs) months
0: later? That thing was so mushed and broken inside the wrapper because there is no emergency. You
1: you're now early on. If someone's adjusting and their body's not yet skilled at fasting, if they ever feel shaky or nauseous, go ahead and eat. But, you know, you never had that happen Mm -hmm. except Mm -hmm. for that tea incident. So, you know, and it's very, you know, very rare that that'll happen. But um you know just pe- people should be aware that the only kind of hunger emergency is if you actually feel shaky or nauseous and
0: that's a bad feeling have you ever done that jen have you ever mistakenly oh, yeah. or thought i'll just this is harmless i'll maybe in the beginning you did you know
1: well and well definitely then but sometimes even you know now that i've i've got you know, the clean fast guidelines i'll try something just to see like um what was it recently I can't remember what it was. Oh, maybe it was cinnamon in coffee. Um, Was like, I just want to see what this feels like. I mean, I was about to open my window. Sure enough, shaky and starving. You know, I was just testing it. And I'm like, oh, yep, there it is. There's that feeling that I don't like. And, um, you know, there's a certain Starbucks nitro cold brew. It breaks my fast, even though it shouldn't. Oh, so it It, personally makes makes you release insulin, but it may not
0: somebody else. Okay.
1: And, and I've tried so hard several times to include that because there is nothing in it that should make it break your fast. All it is is black coffee with the nitro to make it foamy. But the T-shirts that they wear at Starbucks say, creamy without cream, sweet without oh, sweetener. And your brain. And so when I mm-hmm. – mm-hmm, my brain yeah. perceives the nitro cold brew as something sweet and creamy, and it causes an insulin response and makes me starving. So – you know, I, I drink coffee all day long, just fine, no problem. But every time I've tried to drink the, the Starbucks nitro cold brew, I have to eat within an hour.
0: The other thing I learned early on was opening my window, and we say window, I mean you're either feasting or fasting. So my feasting window, right. opening it with sugar, I can't. Because I, I can't either because of the insulin response is too great. And I I feel bad and I am I really feel ill. And it just takes me a minute. I, well, I know I gave blood recently uh, because we were co- my husband and I were COVID positive. And so we were trying to give plasma. And because I've had a baby, I'm really not a candidate. It's a long story. But um, I was giving blood kind of at nine or ten in the morning. Like I was like, this isn't going to bother me but it did. It was too much. And then they give you insulin. They do give you glucose, you know, to help you because some people get lightheaded and I felt really bad. And you know what? It took me about two hours to get my bearings underneath me to get, I had to have some protein or fat. right? And so I just, I know my body well enough. I just, I didn't realize that giving blood, that much blood in a Saturday morning would make me kind of feel not great and lightheaded when I drive and they don't want you feeling that way. So it's just, again, it's just a lesson learned. I kind of remember it and I'll never drink the raspberry tea again on an empty stomach without having a meal. You know, there are just a lot of things I personally can't do. One thing, though, you've always said, too, is that intermittent fasting is a health plan with the side effect of weight loss. Right. And so my health plan with me is I have a rare motility disorder. That's your esophagus's way to bring food down. It's part of one of my six autoimmune conditions I have. No one has it. No one you know has it, but I have it. And so I have to see a specialist specialist, you know, a GI specialist where he was out of state. And so I'd seen him one year and then I went to see him the next year. And so just looking at my upper GI and some other things that they have to do for this, it's called achalasia, And... Uh, In assessing how I was doing, he said, I've got to tell you, you're the this is the best case I've ever had. And I've had it about 21 years. And he knew I was an intermittent faster. And he said, I will have to tell you, I know from my with my clinical background, it would have to be because fasting, he said, people don't realize you are wearing out your esophagus and your digestive systems and everything about when you eat all the time. He said, because you're now reducing the amount of hours you're asking your esophagus to work because my lower esophageal sphincter does not work properly. He said, you're giving your digestion a break. He said, now I know every body, meaning physiologically, every body would benefit from giving their digestion a break.
1: I think so, too. And so, you know, one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when anyone says, You know, I tried intermittent fasting and it didn't work for me. And by work, they mean weight loss only because it's so much deeper than just weight loss. You know, of course, most people who start intermittent fasting most come to it because they want to lose some weight. I certainly did. That was why I started. But back then we didn't understand the health benefits. Knowing what I know now, even if someone didn't lose any weight at all, it's it's really the healthiest way to live. My husband um, has a PhD in organic chemistry. He's an organic chemistry professor. Show off. No, I know. <laughs> never le- needed to lose weight. Um, interestingly, we both had fasting blood work done a few months ago, including our insulin levels, our fasting insulin levels. His fasting insulin level was like way below the normal rate. Wow. <laughs> it was very low, which shows why he never struggled right. with his weight. You know, his insulin is just naturally low. And, and mine was on the low end of normal. I wish I had data from back when I was obese. That would be interesting. But he does intermittent fasting just for the health benefits. You know, he does a loose... Um, well, he he doesn't eat to lunch. So I always say he does a loose sixteen eight, meaning yeah. eight hour eating window. Mm-hmm. But he he basically he eats lunch and then he eats dinner every yeah, that's day. That's probably about my husband. He probably eats a little yeah. bit more and he needs to.
0: He's my husband's extremely fit and an athlete. Now, did you ever think in your wildest dreams though, when you're starting this in twenty fourteen that you would be a best-selling New York Times author, you would have your own podcast, you would have 300,000 followers or uh, people in your Facebook groups, and that you would have lost 80, 80 pounds that you know of because you are very vocal in saying you don't have a scale and you don't know what you weigh.
1: Right. I haven't seen a number on the scale since 2017 ins- when I threw my scale that's away. That's insane. yeah But no, I would never in a million years have dreamed it. You know, I was an elementary teacher. I taught elementary school for 28 years. But, you know, what I'm doing now is just teaching just on a on a bigger scale. You know, I'm still teaching people things they can apply to their but lives. Not, now it's a yeah, but we're not
0: gifted and talented.
1: <laughs> yes, you, you are. You're gifted and talented yes, students. <laughs> <laughs> I was a gifted and talented teacher. And you that's have but but a doctorate, too. Both. both I do you your I have husband. a doctorate. Yeah, a doctorate in gifted and talented education. And, and you know, I was a, a great elementary teacher um, because really, I think that, you know, the same way that I approach intermittent fasting, I'm going to tell you, here's, here's the information and now you apply it. And that's what we did, you know, in the gifted education classroom. Here's the information, children. Now you have to apply it, you know, and, and giving responsibility to the student. And the same with the intermittent fasting, like I'm not going to tell you exactly here's what to eat and exactly when to eat it. You're in charge. Well, when did you uh,
0: get acquainted with Jason Fung is a medical doctor in Toronto, who's a nephrologist, who's done all the clinical research, the science behind um, intermittent fasting. And he's I call you the mom. He's the dad of intermittent fasting. And um, it's difficult to read some of his stuff. I do have the audible books because it was easier hearing somebody else kind of read it to me. I've, I've heard that a lot of people really like the audio yes. version of the. Abuse yes, code. it is mired in in science. I mean, it's hard, but once you understand his passion for it and he just it kind of fell in his lap. But when did you start hearing about him? Because his his work is fascinating.
1: Well, you know, he had his blog first and, you know, during the time Two thousand fourteen to two thousand fifteen when I lost the weight. And then I was in some, you know, intermittent fasting support groups on Facebook. And of course, people chat about things. And then his blog posts started to pop up. But he hadn't released any books yet. And it was in 2015 that I one of my friends, my online Facebook support group friends, was like, I'm in this other intermittent fasting group and they're, you know, saying it's only about the calories and let's go in and talk, you know. So I went in and I think we used a Fung blog post as a, um, you know, no, it's not just about that. And then they banned us. They banned us. Oh my gosh! So I think this is late 2015. People did not. That want was to the hear beginning it. of the cancel culture, right there. There you go. We were canceled right <laughs> out of that group. And, um, but that was before the obesity code came out. Then the obesity code came out. I believe it was March of 2016. And I was really waiting for that book to come out. I got it, you know, right there on on the you know the day that it came out and read it um then I got it in paperback too that when I really like a book I read it on Kindle then I get it in paperback or whatever version you know I get the hard hard cover so I can refer to it but it really taught me a lot just so many misconceptions that we had like the whole idea of calories in calories out being you know that that all calories are created equal you know sometimes when people say calories in calories out has flaws People mistakenly think that means that, oh, well, then I could just eat as much as I want because calories don't matter. Food amount doesn't matter. And that's not true either. Neither is true. You can overeat and not lose weight, even with intermittent fasting. But our bodies don't work like calorie calculators where you can calculate your calories in and know what your body's going to do with them and then do this mathematical formula for weight loss. Our bodies don't work like that. Um, You know, our bodies can adjust our metabolic rate, different foods affect us differently. You know, um, I like to say, you know, beans versus jelly beans. They might have exactly the same calories, but your body is going to process them differently. So that was one thing that I really understood after reading the obesity code. Well,
0: and the other thing he says and I think we need to have this in bumper stickers is obesity is not a caloric problem, it's a hormonal problem. Right. And he, he yep. talks about insulin being a hormone, ghrelin, leptin, right. uh, thyroid. I mean, they're all we have we have so many hormones we don't understand the role of all of them. But when he said that, I just kind of had a big exhale and thought And you said it too, Jen, your book says Fast Feet Repeat. You say it's not your fault. You know, it's it's, it's understanding what the body has done and Mm -hmm. stress levels and where you are in your cycle and just so many different things that affect it. Kind of touch on, I think this is a fascinating study that you've discussed and he does, Dr. Fung does, and it's the Minnesota starvation
1: diet from was that post World War II was that in the 40s It was yeah it, it was around World War II and um basically I have I go into a thorough discussion of this in fast feast repeat but the Minnesota Minnesota starvation experiment basically they were trying to figure out and, and it was based on you know what do our bodies do when we're starving and it was absolutely not through the lens of dieting to lose weight it was these people don't have food; they're going to die because of, you know, war torn Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't have enough food to survive. So it was basically, what do we, what can we learn about starvation? So they put these men on, um, you know, quote starvation level diets. They modeled it o- over what they would expect to have in these countries in Europe, the foods that they would have, and basically, you know, they they restricted them um, how much they were, were able to eat and also upped their their movement, like they had to eat low enough and have enough movement in their day to lose weight at a certain pace. So it was the biggest and loser so, without being on TV. Yeah, all right, pretty right. much it was. It was it was eat less, move more that, you know, we've all heard is the only way to lose weight. But you know they studied them and they had all these physiological responses like their metabolic rate slowed down they became obsessed with food mm-hmm. you know think about any of us that have tried to do these low calorie diets our metabolic rate slows down we become obsessed with food you find yourself binging yeah. you know the lesson from that study and i really go into why this happens in fast feast repeat but the lesson from that study is if you start to feel the urge to binge over time that is a sign that you are over restricting for for your body And it's not a good sign because your body is trying to save your life. So when you've tried to do that low calorie diet where you have a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and then a sensible dinner and you find yourself, you know, binging at four in the afternoon. Well, that's because your body is not well fueled. And so it is sending you the eat, eat, eat signal. And then you might say, well, how is fasting different? Because, you know, I might of course, I don't count like I already explained, but I might eat, quote, less calories than back when I was eating a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch and a sensible dinner and starving all the time. But during the fasting period of the day, I am well well fueled. My body does not sense that I'm starving. But if you eat a tiny little bit for breakfast, your body's going to burn through that and then ask for more food. And if you don't give it, that's when you start feeling, oh, I'm not well fueled. I'm starving. That whole hangry feeling that you're used to from the low-calorie diet. I definitely
0: felt that and would have a rebound after HCG. I would have a hunger that I couldn't explain, and I— that's the first time I'd ever had that. I'm just so yeah. hungry. And really, if I restrict carbs too much, and sometimes um, I was just trying to do an elimination diet over the summer just to see what foods bothered me. And a lot of times those are kind of carby foods, whether it's rice, potatoes, gluten, you know, and I'd eliminated it just for the di- for the allergy and sensitivity part of it. But I noticed that if that went on too long, then I would almost rebound from that as well because my body right. was saying, Listen, yeah. you, girl. You sit down and have have a potato. Where somebody right. else's body may not say that, but my, I heard mine say potato, and I'm going to listen. Oh, yeah. Mine says potato, too. Yeah. I like to look at my Irish Right, heritage And a lot of that. people, yeah. And that's true. A lot of that is DNA. And that is yeah. interesting. You know, I, I did have a red haired Irish mother. And so that probably is why I love that. And I love the hum- hummus because I had a Jewish father from Russia. So I probably want boar soup, too. So, yeah, Ooh. I know. But isn't that interesting the, the way good. our body yep. responds? If there's one thing you'd like to tell people who Just now, this is the first time they've really heard about intermittent fasting. Of course, we'll link all of your books uh, to the show notes. But what is it something you can do to encourage people?
1: You know, just just start, start, start today. And you don't have to start, you know, saying I'm going to have a two hour eating window. But just, you know, fast, clean, plain water, plain fizzy water, black coffee, black tea And then open an eating window and then eat until you're satisfied and then stop eating and then do it again tomorrow. And, you know, don't be hard on yourself one day if you're hungrier and you have to open your window earlier, especially during the adjustment phase. Don't have unrealistic expectations like you're going to drop three pounds a week. You're not. It's going to be slow, especially as your body's adjusting. But learn to listen to what your body is telling you. You know, intermittent fasting has the potential to change your life if you let it. If you drop all the preconceived notions about what, quote, dieting is supposed to be and how your results are supposed to be. And, you know, fast, clean, release expectations. Somebody said that once in the Facebook group, and I thought it was just gold. Fast, clean, release expectations and tweak what you're doing until it works for you. I have a chapter in Fast, Feast, Repeat called Tweak It Till It's Easy. And what works for me is not going to work for you exactly the same way. Um, You've got to figure out, you know, your sweet spot and your sweet spot might be that every day looks different. Yeah. And that's yeah. OK, too. There,
0: there are days if I don't eat enough for a couple of days, not because I'm on some quest. It just either got busy or it just happens. Yeah. And then yeah. that third day I am hungrier.
1: You open your window yeah, a little earlier. And satisfied
0: with my, the foods I eat. And I really right. enjoy food now more than I ever have. Um, me too. And that's why quality food means a lot. And I'm I'm just not going to pick up. So I, I, That's what, you know, the hunger's not an emergency. If all I have is the potato chips in a bag, but in three hours we can have a real meal, I'm going to wait three hours for the real meal. So, Oh, yeah. I, me never too, thought because I the potato that.
1: chips. They won't satisfy no. your Mm-mm. hunger. They'll just
0: make you hungrier. Yes. And that's something you really don't understand. Dr. Bert Herring talks a lot about appetite correction. Those are other things. Right. We'll put all that in the show notes. Jen, your mama named you Virginia, right? She so she's gin I'll put a link in all the show notes. Jen, you're fabulous. Thank you for um being the pastor of our church here, the Church of Intermittent Fasting. <laughs> you're the the minister, I'm glad of the pa- to do it. Reverend Jen Stevens, what we should call you. <laughs> I'm pretty irreverent, though. So. Well, <laughs> you're fabulous at what you do. Thank you so much, Thank and you. Uh, just keep telling, sharing the good news. I we will appreciate it. Thanks, girl. Thank you. Thanks for spending this time with me. If you would subscribe to the Lisa Fisher said podcast, tell a friend, and for show notes and more information, go to lisafishersaid.com.